welcome back to the Bernard Turner Show for another episode. Uh, this time on the show, I got someone completely different from one of my teammates. Um, this person is someone who has been a part of UK sports for years and years, many years, even before I got to Kentucky. Uh, but before I introduce him, make sure you subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network Group. Also subscribe to the Bernard Turner Show. And make sure you follow on YouTube and also Twitter. And we're also on Instagram. But back to my guest, um, definitely great to have him on the show. Uh, he was someone, like I said before, who covered UK basketball for years and years and years. Unfortunately, he came to do the play-by-play -play, uh, for UK after I left, but I got the likes to meet him when I came back and finished my degree. This guy was the two-time winner of the prestigious Eclipse Award for Excellence in Sports. He was also the six-time winner of Sportscaster of the Year Award for Kentucky. And I mean, just an amazing uh, commentator. Uh, I've actually learned a lot from him just by being interviewed from him. And uh, definitely um, love to listen to him cover UK basketball sports because he knows what he's talking about. And that's why I have him on my show today. But no other than you probably know him from the Leach Report, <laughs> no other than Tom Leach Wayne, on my show you? today. Thanks for coming on the show, Tom. I appreciate it. Uh, you are very welcome. Um, I'll tell you two, uh, one quick story. This time, probably about a week after this, a year ago, when everything was gone, one of the first sporting events I watched, they were replaying all this stuff. I rewatched the, uh, the 92 Kentucky Duke game, the CBS show. And then I rewatched the better one, uh, which was the 98 uh, Kentucky Duke game and got to see you abuse Wojo uh, repeatedly and so I'm just really excited to be watching games that aren't on replay now to get ready for this tournament <laughs> I know I, I always used I during March every year since I've graduated I always get a text message hey you was on TV today I saw you on classic sports but I'm like, really? Wow, they're still playing these games, huh? I guess I'm still popular and people That's still cool. remember me. So fans have never I love the replays, Tom. <laughs> me too. But definitely happy to have you on the show. Um, unfortunately for the cast this year, you know, as we all know from Bracketology uh, on Sunday selection, the cast did not get in the tournament. Um, and it was a tough year for them. Um, having a losing record at the end of the year. Um, what was your take just on the team itself? I mean, it seemed like they started to actually pull it together at some points, like they were going to make a run. But then that one next game will come, they'll, and then they'll they'll fall backwards. So that was kind of confusing and frustration, frustrating for me as a former player and fan. But, you know, looking – you know, at other people's views like yours, I wonder how you felt about that or what you thought. I know back early, uh, I do the games with uh, Mike Pratt, one of the former Kentucky players, not just played here, played in the pros, coached in the pros. And so I respect his opinion a lot. From the beginning, he never thought that the pieces seemed to fit together great. And that may have been, you know, because they didn't get the chance to get to know each other 
as they normally would. This was the worst possible year to for Cal to have his newest team. And I say newest because it wasn't all freshmen. You had a couple of grad transfers that come in. So they had a little experience there, but they were still new. So the Keon Brooks is the only holdover. And then he gets hurt and doesn't play until January. And they only had one game. And then Terrence Clark was a guy they thought might be able to, to play some point for them where they had issues as the season played out. He got hurt and was out from the end of December until the very last game. So really it was that last game was the only time they had all of their pieces together. And, you know, without having the summer, uh, without having uh, all the games in November that they would normally have, they um, just never did get to mesh like you would like a team to do. And you, you look around the country, I, a lot of the better seasons have been had by teams that had a lot of experience. Alabama is a good example in this league. They had, I think, their top eight guys back. And the teams that were new and young really seemed to struggle under these conditions. And so that was part of it. And then the, I think the challenge for Cal, he talked a little bit about this on his radio show that wrapped up the season on Monday night. Some things he's got to look at. He, he talked about you know, how the game's changing with the transfer rule, with name, image, and likeness. And then he also made an interesting comment about that the game's moving more toward a, maybe a greater emphasis on skill and a, a little lesser emphasis on athleticism. So he's got to decide how to incorporate that into his program and any changes or tweaks he wants to make, along with the fact of you know getting back to normal. I think things will just be better for that reason. This team would have been better had they had the normal circumstances, but, you know, uh, I still think they had some, you know, issues that would have been, uh, would have propped up for them even uh, under a normal uh, setup. Right. No, I, I agree. I, um, you know, one of the things I know my freshman year, even though it's different now, you know, I was able to come to Kentucky for at least two or three weeks, get an idea of what it was going to be like for my start in August. Um, and these guys, they have the opportunity to go in June and July and be there and basically practice with the team and also take classes. And, you know, I think that being delayed and them not having that extra time definitely uh, affected their chemistry you know, a whole lot. Um, all those new guys, guys. The, the freshmen, there are things to learn. We were, uh, Mike and I were chatting with Tony Delk. He was in the broadcast spot right next to us at the SEC tournament. And we were talking about some of this stuff. And, he said it took him a while, and you, I know, I'm sure you can uh, will, you know, nod your head at this. He said it took me a while to understand that high school hard in terms of playing hard was different from college playing hard. I thought I was really playing hard, and the coach kept getting on me, and it took me a while to understand what he really meant. Oh, yeah, I definitely felt that when I got <laughs> to college <laughs> because you walked around a lot in high school. You know, you really didn't have – when you're the stud, you really don't have to play as hard on defense. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't want you to get in foul trouble. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, that I tell, you know, the younger generation, younger kids that that transition from high school to college, like now you go from playing – kids your age to grown men and you know the strength level is totally different I mean I came in as a freshman Tony Duff was a senior he was the strongest guy I, strongest God I had ever faced in my life at that point and you know I realized hey strength and conditioning is very very important you know moving up in levels um, you know in this in this sport so 
moving forward, um, you know, like like I was saying a little earlier, you know, these teams that got pretty much rejected from the tournament and obviously Louisville was one of those. And someone made a joke. I mean, I, I don't know how to uh, ask this question, but Mitch Barnhart was on the committee and a lot of, obviously a lot of fans think that he his decision impacted them not being in the tournament and felt like they should have. Not to harp on Louisville, but, you know, what do you make it? I mean, I, I don't think that's something that he can do. <laughs> no, and, and I don't think that's, uh, if anybody that knows Mitch, that's not the way he would, would operate. He would be a, you know, a pro in, in doing his job. And he's just one of many people on that committee. You know, he's the guy they have, you have to have somebody in charge. So he's the guy that says, okay, it's, it's time to vote or it's time to do this or whatever. But you got a lot of pretty equal voices, I would think, in that committee, given the people that are on it. So, you know, it was, um, you know, ironic that his year to be the spokesman, being the chairman, was, you know, coincided with the, the, the year that Louisville doesn't make it. So you knew that was going to be a talking point, but I think that's about uh, all there was to it. Yeah. Do you think they should have got him? I thought they would. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I, I didn't go that as far as should they have. I didn't go that deep into comparing resumes, but I certainly thought that they were in when they, when the bracket uh, was revealed in the last page they get to in Michigan state and UCLA is 11. My first thought was, uh Oh, Louisville may be in trouble, but maybe they'll be a 10 seed because I'd seen they were projected to 10 by a few people in some of the bracket projections. And then I think that last slot, that last 10 went to Maryland. Um, so I, I really thought they would would make it. I just I thought they might be in the first four. Um, I kind of thought, you know, at first glance, I, I think I probably would have uh, voted them in over Wichita State, for example, maybe even Drake, uh, those two teams that are in the first four games. Um, but, you know, they lost some opportunities to play games because of a couple of COVID pauses that would have, you know, probably gotten them a few more wins. Yeah, I thought that, um, you know, I honestly thought they should have gotten as well. Uh, being an ACC team, I yeah. mean, ACC has always been tough. I mean, Georgia Tech won the league, won the league tournament, and Louisville handled them pretty easily. Right, exactly. Um, and, I, you know, I didn't – I think people was just looking for a story with Mitch being a part of yeah. it. Not kidding. Exactly. But before I jump into the tournament – um, you know, I read some interesting things about yourself and, you know, you've, you know, one of your dreams was to be, um, you know, a commentator and do play by play, uh, which is interesting to me because I don't think I've ever met anyone um, who uh, wanted to do broadcasting and, and commentating. And I know it was passed down to you generational wise, but what, how, like, How'd you take that on? When did you decide, okay, I'm gonna do play by play for Kentucky? Uh, yeah, I, I grew up in a little town about half hour north of Lexington, uh, Paris. And, um, you know, we just, you know, played everything, you know, whatever sport was in season, we played it. So I mean, I grew, grew up loving sports. Uh, my dad was a good baseball player. So I, and my brother was a good football player. So I kind of came to the love of sports naturally. And, 
somewhere in there uh, in middle school, we had a, a teacher that started an in-school newscast. And so I uh, lobbied to get to do the sports reports on those newscasts. And so that was probably where the seed was maybe planted. And then I always tell students when I talk to groups in high school or college, when I, I graduated high school in 1979, that was the year that ESPN started. So now everything's on TV. But when I was growing up as a sports fan in the 70s, uh, you listened to more games like for Kentucky or for the Reds. You listened to more games of the teams that I followed most closely than you got to see. And so I kind of fell in love with the idea of being the guy that would uh, work, being the Kayward Ledford's chair that would be at the games. Um, and then Ralph Hacker was, was working with him. And so that was kind of where I set my sights not really probably fully appreciating how narrow that target was to hit. Uh, but I got to work on Ralph's team at the radio station in, in Lexington in the mid eighties. And he kind of helped groom me uh, to, to be in a position where I had a chance to maybe uh, get the, this job. And unfortunately it worked out. Well, yeah. I mean, you've been a part of four final fours. You've got to do that. You've 11 bowl games for Kentucky. Which one of those um, Final Fours were your favorite Final Fours? If you can well, remember them. Naturally, you would think the championship, and that's special because, you know, when you're the play-by-play the -play guy at Kentucky, you figure that there's a chance you may get to cover it, you know, to call a championship. Um, you know, they're, they're hard to win, but Kentucky's won enough of them that you figure, you know, if you do the job long enough, you at least get a chance to do it once. And so that was really special. But um, I think it was more so the first one uh, was maybe a little uh, as special the year before because um, I had covered uh, the team when I was working for uh, Ralph Station in the 90s. And so I got to go to uh, cover the 93 team that went to the Final Four and then the 96, 97, 98 teams. You guys made those runs. I got to go and, and cover it. So that was great fun. And then, uh, you know, they'd been to four Final Fours in the 90s. And in 2002, I get to start doing the play-by-play. -play, and I think, well, surely there's going to be one and sometime here soon. And Kentucky was the number one seed in 03 and 04. And uh, 03, Bogans gets hurt, and they, they come up short there. And in 04, they got upset. And so finally, by the time 11 had rolled around, um, you know, it had been since 98 that Kentucky had been to a Final Four. And they upset Ohio State. And so to get to work the final four as a play-by-play -play guy for the very first time was that 2011 season. So that was real special. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I was on that staff 2011. So yeah. it was really fun in Houston. You know, that, that was a team that was, you know, I, I held out hope for this team, you know, kind of trying to figure it out at some point. You hope that they would because, you know, that team, you guys, uh, I had gone back and looked at one point and Kentucky coming into about the last week of the regular season had lost every one possession game, all these close games. They never could win one, but once they finally did, then Brandon Knight kind of got in that role and they started winning all the close games and, you know, had a great shot to win the title. I mean, I think Liggins had a shot in the air. If that goes, you beat UConn and I think they would have beat Butler. Exactly. Cause he hit the one. Yeah. I, mean, I had to live with it. He hit the one against North Carolina. Yep. We definitely thought that one was going in and, you know, just came up one, one point short, but yeah, that year was a 
I mean, it was a tough year on the road. Those guys were still young and, you know, it was the free Ennis era. Ennis uh, Kenta couldn't play that year. And there was a lot of adversity for that team. And, you know, I was happy to see them pull it out and, and happy to be a part of that team because uh, they faced a lot of adversity, but the way they rallied together and handled it, won the STC tournament, you know, it was it was very, very sweet. Um, going back to Atlanta, Catlanta, as we call it, <laughs> and winning that championship uh, with that team. But that's interesting to know that that was your first Final Four, and um, I'm glad you got to experience that with yeah, us. it was fun. It was you know, Too bad we didn't get the goal, but <laughs> hey, it was a great it was a great run. Beating yeah, all, Ohio run. State was that amazing. Ohio State up there in uh, Newark, and uh, you know Josh Harrelson. Kind of you mentioned Ennis Tanner. When Ennis didn't get to play, it kind of opened the door for Josh to get to play a role that he probably would not have had. And then he really took advantage of it and outplayed Sullinger that night and beat Ohio State. That was that was quite a uh, that was a really uh, fun team to follow. The way they kind of uh, gelled at the end and made that run. Right. Now, I got to ask you this question because you've seen them both. What team is better? 1996, 2012. What team you're taking? You know, I think the best single individual player was AD. Of the two teams, it's it's. I'll I'll get out of it a little bit. I, I would say I'll say this. I would probably have to give the edge to '96. Uh, but the '96 team was at a time when players stayed longer, and so you had all those seniors on that team, and um, you had. Uh, then young guys that were coming up that were going to be national championship good, like, you know, uh, you know, DA and Ron the next year, and then yourself and Shep and uh, Padgett and all those guys in 98, all those guys were in that 96 team. So, I mean, that gives you an idea of the, the talent collectively. And then by 2012, you got, you know, so all the, we're into the one and done era. And so, you know, nobody stayed around until their senior year that was, of that level of, of talent. So, you know, you, you can't act, you can't fairly uh, compare them, but, you know, if you had to pick between the two, I'd probably have to give the edge to 96 just because of, you know, the experience and the depth of talent that they had uh, while saying in fairness to 2012, that, uh, you know, those guys, you know, it was, it was a time when teams were built differently. So, you know, if that team had stayed around to where those guys were seniors, I might have a different answer. <laughs> no, I agree. Uh, we definitely were experienced in our depth. I, yeah. you know, I, I just think our depth was crazy. Like you, I mean, you, you look at the guys that were, you know, the ninth, tenth, eleventh man on that team were starters on national championship teams. True. Very, very true. <laughs> Well, thanks for that. I appreciate your opinion on that. Um, well, I think you've already answered my next question, so I'll move on. Um, actually, you know what? Who, who do you think is the best player in Cal's era so far? It would have to be Anthony. Uh, you know, he was he dominated the game from the start of the year defensively, and then really it. Once he kind of got into February, 
he just was getting better offensively week to week. And um, so I think, you know, he's he would have to be at the top of the, the list. You know, the best team might have been the, the 15 team. Um, but they were they were a little like the 96 group where we were talking about there. Just, you know, Derek Willis and Dominic Hawkins were the 11th and 12th guys from that team. Um, but it was still much younger uh, than the 96. But one player, I think it would have to be A.D., Anthony Davis. I like that answer. I'm a I'm a John Wall fan. You know, I like Demarcus Cousins. Uh, he came on a little late on that team. I thought that team was definitely a Final Four team. Oh yeah, Personally, they ran into West Virginia and couldn't make a shot. You know, but, there some people I think that feel like that if you rank Cal's teams, you might rank them 15, 10, and 12. But 12 won the title. Um, you know, it's an interesting debate to have. But I mean that that group in 10. I mean if if they hadn't run into that West Virginia 1-3-1, I think they win the national championship. It was a, you know, bad matchup on a bad night. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And uh, we, man, just couldn't, just couldn't put it in the hole. But I enjoyed watching that team that whole year. Um, I got, I was very fortunate to be able to watch practices and got a chance to run up and down with Eric and John. And they showed me how slow I was as an older <laughs> player, but um, definitely a fun team to watch. And they do rank high on my list um, in Cal's era. So you've, um, I kind of saw you covered um, thoroughbred racing. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this is the guy I need to call for all my bets during the dirt. <laughs> you don't know who to bet on or who to bet, who to not bet on. <laughs> How, how, how does that differ from sports? Like, I mean, I know that's sports, but how does it differ from basketball? Uh, well, football? the easiest answer is you don't get to interview the athletes, <laughs> the horses. Uh, but uh, I grew up, uh, growing up in Paris, we had uh, Claiborne Farms, very famous thoroughbred farm, where Secretariat uh, lived out his retirement. And that was... Uh, uh, a big deal for our community. So I got exposed to racing early, became a fan. So have always enjoyed covering it. It's, uh, you know, it's the thing that's really different. And uh, this is changing a little bit now. You get so much, so many media sources out there. But for most of my time covering racing, you know, you didn't, it was a sport that didn't get nearly as much coverage as you know, basketball, football, baseball. And so, you know, the, the athletes and the coaches in the, the sports that get, the, the abundance of the attention probably well no, probably they do get tired of of you know the the questions and the endless interviews and the coverage and the, you know all the stuff whereas racing has is for the most part really welcomed it because they're looking to to uh, gain more eyeballs and and ears on their sport and so uh, yeah, people are you know eager to Get, you know, to give you interviews and uh, chances to do some, you know, different creative things, you know, putting the camera on a jockey's helmet or, you know, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, whereas in uh, some of the other sports, uh, they get covered so much that uh, they get a little tired of it. So uh, I've always enjoyed, you know, the, you know, the access you still get to racing is, is still better. It's more like what it used to be in uh, the other major sports where you can, you know, walk out and you know, if I'm covering the, the Derby, I can walk out on the backside at Churchill Downs that week and just walk up to Bob Baffert's barn and, 
you know, maybe get an interview. Uh, and, you know, that kind of thing doesn't happen much in the major sports anymore. Um, okay. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with me. I was very curious about that. I've gotten a little addicted to the betting on the ponies. <laughs> it's fun. It's, you know, that's, that's, uh, I, I love handicapping and I uh, love going out. And, uh, uh, I would say for me, it's kind of like, you know, where some guys go play golf on the weekend, I'd rather go like handicap the races on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Louisville, so I miss those downs after dark nights. Oh, yeah. Fun. <laughs> Very low key, go live, place a bet, and, and, and watch, the, watch the races. It's a great thing. Racing is a great sport to uh, enjoy with a group. You know, you go out and you sometimes you can make bets together or you, you know, rooting against each other's horses or you're just having a good time. So it's a great, you know, I think sport socially. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. I definitely have a good time every time I go out. Well, I'm going to turn the tables back <laughs> to basketball. Um, the, it was one more question about UK history. Okay. And I know you've been around it for a long, long time. And I was asked you questions about the best players, Cal's era. Who was the best player you've seen basketball in UK's history play? Who do you think the best player is, in your opinion? I've seen play. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Issel was. Once you saw play. Yeah, Issel's a little bit. Uh, I, I remember watching their last game when they lost to Artis Gilmore's Jacksonville team. I can remember watching that, but I, you know, as far as I was, you know, nine at the time. So um, that would, you know, probably everything after that is when I really started getting into it. Um, so, you know, in that time, I'm just thinking there's so many of them here. Mashburn, one of the first ones that comes to mind. Uh, he was, uh, you know, tremendous uh, goose, Jack Gibbons, um, great, great college basketball player. Um, yeah, maybe Mash might. It's it's close. Uh, uh, just you know, right off the top of my head, you asked me the question. That's kind of probably the first one that would pop to mind of uh, watching them, Mash or Anthony Davis um, or John Wall. You know, those those probably uh, are are. And Goose, those those four. Uh, think of a starting five, and uh, you know, throw one more in there. Uh, maybe Sam Bowie. Um, you know, when he was healthy, uh, he might he might have been the best of all of them uh, at full strength. Um, he was ahead of his time in terms of his skill set. Um, but you know, Mash or AD, kind of a toss up there for me. Okay, I could, I would agree with that. Um, Mashburn definitely always stands out in my head and, and also uh, John Wall is the other one um, because he's a guard, you know, point guard you know, yeah. I've always thought it was tough for a guard to be out there on the perimeter chasing guys around but then turn so fast, go full speed, you know on a fast break, I think that's what impressed me so much about uh, John John and Mashburn yeah. uh, they had one thing in common too because when, when Cal got here, Kentucky had been down for a while by its standards and John Wall was the guy who led that resurgence back and Mash was kind of the, the same thing in the early 90s there when he came on board is when Kentucky came out of a hole and those two guys you know were both 
you know, beyond what happened on the court, that impact that they had kind of factors into the decision too. Right, exactly, exactly. Who in your time of play-by-play was the hardest coach to interview? Oh, no question, uh, Billy Gillespie. <laughs> uh, you know, he was just, uh, you know, uh, an odd guy at times. He, I've, I've told people, and I don't really actually believe it because we had some strange on-air interviews, but uh, we actually got along uh, much better than it may have sounded at times. And to cycle back to something we were talking about earlier, because he was such a, or is such a big thoroughbred racing fan. And so once he found out I knew something about racing, we had something to kind of connect on. And we would always constantly be talking during, you know, commercial breaks or things about uh, thoroughbred racing and, you know, of course, just coming up to the Derby or, or whatever it might be. So he knew his, he knew, or he knows his uh, racing really well. And, uh, but he, he was a, a challenging guy to interview at times. <laughs> Any crazy things he did? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, one, one I can remember just off the top of my head. Um, and this is kind of, you just never uh, knew what it was going to go sometimes. Um, they were playing somebody at Rupp early in the season. Good team, can't remember who. Doris Burke was in to do the game for ESPN. And I'm waiting to do my pregame interview for radio. And um, uh, they, one of the sports information people said, would you mind if Doris talks to him first? Because she's got to get back to a, a meeting. Sure, no problem. I'll, I'll stand here and wait. Uh, so I'm listening to the conversation. And he's talking about, you know, how Jody Meeks and Derek Gasper had been out of practice. And they, uh, you know, they, it, was, it made it difficult to accomplish what they needed to get done in practices because they had these guys in and out. And so then, uh, so we, Billy comes over, we do the start the pregame. And I thought, well, I'll just start with that question since, you know, they were talking about that I thought, in my own head. I mean, that'd be a good place to kind of start out the interview. But, well, coach, you, you know, had Derek and uh, Jody out of practices a lot lately. How's that impacted what you've been able to get accomplished? Well, I don't know why you bring that up. We don't make excuses. <laughs> like you just told her that it was an issue for you. <laughs> so that was a little strange. <laughs> Uh, I learned with Billy too. You had to, uh, uh, you know, with Cal, you could say how you're doing. You might get a 10, 10 minute answer uh, on a pregame show. Uh, with Billy, if you could answer, if you you couldn't ask a question that could be answered yes or no, because he'd probably answer it yes or no. So you play, <laughs> play zone today against Alabama. It would be what would you think about maybe using some zone? And then he would you know give you his explanation of why he might consider that. Well, that's a bad example because he's never played zone. But anyway. You had to ask a question that couldn't be answered yes or no. Wow. Because <laughs> he would answer it yes or no. Most times. <laughs> That's crazy. It makes it hard to do about a nine or 10 minute interview that we needed for the UK network. <laughs> I remember one time interviewing Coach Mummy in football, and we had a great relationship, but he was watching a JV game and was more interested in that than he was in doing this interview with me. But we, but we had a really good relationship. And so first segment, I asked him a bunch of questions because everything was a short, short answer. And then after the first segment, we stopped to get ready to do the next segment. And I said, you know how they tell me I got to get nine minutes so I can ask you 10 questions or 100. And he laughed and got the, got the point I was making. And then he was, you know, fine. He's like, let me just finish this and you'll, you'll get out of here. And then he did and I did. 
<laughs> well, that made it easy. <laughs> well, I'm gonna move forward. Probably got another uh, few questions just about the tournament. Um, okay. I know we saw bracketology on Sunday and um, just wanted to know your biggest shock of bracketology in um, this, or in your biggest surprise. Gosh, yeah, nothing really jumped out at me like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Louisville not being in, maybe. I, I really thought they would, you know, uh, get in. Um, and then, um, but as far as, you know, where teams were seated, I thought it all looked uh, pretty good. Uh, you always debate a, a few things. Really, the, the strangest thing is just to look at the bracket and not see Kentucky or Duke or Louisville. Or Indiana, so uh, that was the strangest part of it for me. Do you um, have any favorites? You know, Gonzaga looks awfully good. Um, they, you know, maybe I don't know if they can complete being a you know a perfect season. It would be something they haven't been done since '76. But um, the few times I have watched them play at length, where they are are really good, got a good mix of, of old guys and young guys. Um, I really like uh, what Jawan Howard has done at Michigan. I always wonder what, you know, when players come back into coach that haven't uh, been a coach before um, at a, or a head coach before, um, you know, how's that going to work? And I thought he made a really good hire and a guy like Phil Martelli, who had a lot of head coaching experience to kind of help him, um, you know, get, uh, get, all the boxes checked that he would need to as a head coach because obviously he knew the game, but just there's a lot of other things that go into it. So I thought he really, you know, put a staff together well. I've been impressed. And so uh, hated to see the Livers kid get hurt, but um, Michigan. Um, and then I'm rooting for Florida State a little bit, I think, uh, because I didn't, I don't know Leonard Hamilton, but, you know, Oscar Combs, uh, other folks around the Kentucky program that have been around it for years uh, just adore Leonard. And so, um, that tells me he's a good guy. And so uh, I would like to see him get to a final four, win a championship, probably had a great shot to do it last year and then didn't get the chance. So I would love to see them get to a final four. And then uh, Preston Spradlin's a friend at Moorhead state. So I'd love to see them, uh, you know, pull off an upset against West Virginia and shock the world and uh, have their moment. Um, so those are a few of the thoughts, but, you know, Gonzaga looks like a pretty, pretty solid favorite to me. I do think there are going to be a lot of upsets, though. I don't, you know, I, I think, you know, Gonzaga and those two or three Big Ten teams that are up there at the top and Baylor, but you know, from say five or six down to you know, thirty-five or forty, I don't know if there's a whole lot of difference. Yeah, it's uh, it looks like a, a open field. Yeah. Uh, definitely no fan, no uh, fanfare. So <laughs> it's kind of even kill. But I was really impressed with uh, Michigan and the job Jawan Howard has done being a former player. I know that has to feel great. And they look just good all around on the tables. Um, Illinois is shocking. It lost to well. State. And Orlando and Tigua, I know from his time here at Kentucky. So I'd love to see Coach O get to a Final Four with Illinois. And they look like they're playing their best basketball. So I haven't actually filled out my bracket yet. The only time I've won the contest that I get in every year was the one year, 2013, when Kentucky wasn't in it. So I'm hoping that means I've got a good shot to win again this year. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> takes the, takes my bias out of it when Kentucky's not in it, maybe. Right, exactly, exactly. What was your favorite March Madness moment? I know it was at that 2012 championship, but do you Yeah, have- that, you know, that's probably would be at the top of the list as far as experiencing it uh, in person. Um, you know, that uh, to call the, the you know, to be in a play-by-play to be a play-by-play guy and, and call a championship for the school you're covering. So that would be, you know, at the uh, at the top of the list. Um, and I'm trying to think the the first year I got to go on the road and cover the team was '93, and they beat Wake Forest in the Sweet 16, just unmercifully, just raining down threes. And uh, it's a good Wake Forest team at Rodney Rogers, so. That was kind of fun to, you know, be on the road covering the team for the first time, and that's the first game you, you cover. Um, but certainly, you know, in terms of you know being the UK announcer, the 2012 championship season would be right there at the top of the list. What do you make about Patino getting Iona into the? Not surprised uh, that he <laughs> pulled that off. Uh, and plus, Iona's you know got a pretty good tradition. I mean, they go back to Jim Valvano in the 70s, so they've had you know, some good teams. Uh, Tim Kloos, I think was his name, had a pretty good run there for a while. So they've been to the tournament several times. So, you know, Rick went into a program there that has been used to winning. And uh, then, you know, you, you put him in, in charge of uh, the program. He's obviously exceptional at what he does. So um, I, uh, I certainly can't say I'm surprised he, um, he has his team uh, in the tournament, and that's going to be more one of the more fun first round games to watch with them against Alabama. I got them upset in Alabama. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, I watched some of the games in in that MAAC tournament. Didn't watch this team a lot during the season, so <clears throat> excuse me. I'm gonna look at it a little more closely before I make a pick. But um, you know, if if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm not not resting real easily knowing that you know Rick's there on the other side. Right, yeah, that's that's got to be a, a itchy little feeling for the coach mm-hmm. over there. <laughs> Not knowing what to expect from Coach Patino, he got a different, he got a lot of different schemes. Well, I'm not gonna hold you too much long. I got one more question, okay. and this is for me. <laughs> Just as a as a broadcast, as a commentator, you know, you have your favorite team sometimes, and you know, you're doing the game like. How hard is that to commentate a game of a team that you know that you know you're pretty much biased towards? Yeah, I, I mean, deal with that. I always go back to something. Kay Wood Ledford, the great Kay Wood Ledford, uh, had a chance, fortunately, to. I was on the the broadcast team as a doing the scoreboard show and some post game pregame stuff uh, near the end of his run as the uh, legendary announcer here at Kentucky and. So I got a chance to visit with Kaywood Summit. He said, it is okay if you're covering a team, if you're you know working for CBS, you don't want to be biased one way or the other. But if you're covering a team, game in and game out throughout a whole season, that one team, it's okay if your audience knows that you want to see that team win because they all do. You're, you're broadcasting to, uh, you know, the uh, preaching to the choir is the thing. But he said, you have to, while doing that, give your audience a, a fair and accurate description of how the team's playing. If they're playing poorly, you know, don't sugarcoat it or, or blame it on somebody else or officials or, or whatever you, um, uh, 
uh, you know, tell your audience the, uh, the, the real story, but it's perfectly understandable and, and okay for uh, the, your, your audience to know that you want to see Kentucky win if you're the Kentucky announcer. So I've always just tried to follow his lead and, and Ralph Hacker's lead, Jim Host, those are three guys that have been the most influential in my career. And they all had the same kind of message is just, um, you know, be really well prepared and then just be a, be a pro. And so you get excited and I tend to get more excited probably than Kaywood did, but that's just, you've got to be true to your own personality. But um, I um, um, just try to be a pro like the guys before me were and um, want to see Kentucky win, but want to be doing a good job for the audience and not get so excited about the team winning that you forget to give the score or, you know, some other key facts or get caught up in the game too much to not do your job. Well, there you have it, folks. The voice of Kentucky basketball. Great to have him on the show. Make sure you subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network Group. Watch this interview on YouTube. You can check it out on Instagram and Twitter, Spotify, The Voice of Kentucky. Tom Lee, it's great to have you on the show. Thank hey, you. I'm happy to do it. If I don't know if you're in the, in the corner here in the office, there's like a Kentucky jersey hanging up there. You'll appreciate this. That was uh, given to me by Mr. Kiteley, Mr. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, that's a prized possession. That's awesome. That's a great guy. I miss that guy so much. Yeah, we all do. I would go down to do the pregame shows and um, I'd get there a little early and he was usually about the only one there a lot of times. And so I'd talk to him usually about one of two things, the Reds, Cincinnati Reds, or Kentucky high school basketball. <laughs> wow. <laughs> miss those visits. Uh, but enjoyed this one. Enjoyed talking, talking with you, Wayne. Hey, thank you. I appreciate your time. You have a good vacation. Thanks. Enjoy the tournament. Thank you.